Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is February the 17th, 2023. Uh, Wow, we're halfway through the second month of this new year, and the hits just keep on coming. Uh, My gosh, where do we begin? Uh, We, of course, have the catastrophe in Ohio with the train wreck, with the pollution, um, and, and all the other craziness. And once again, the Biden administration seems to uh, have no-show jobs. Um, it, it took how long to get Kamala Harris to go anywhere near the border, and then she doesn't show up where she needs to. Um, now you've got Buttigieg not showing up for this train wreck, um, toxins spewing everywhere. The citizens, uh, residents of, of that town in Ohio are petrified, and for good reason. And the EPA has the chutzpah, as we say in Brooklyn, to say, trust us. Wow. Trust us. Hi, I'm here from the U.S. government, and I'm here to help you. I'm a New Yorker, and on September 11, 2001, uh, as everybody knows, two airplanes were used as cruise missiles to take down the Twin Towers of what was then the World Trade Center. And almost immediately, Christine Todd Whitman, I believe it was, was the EPA secretary, The mayor, Rudy Giuliani, assured everybody the air is clean, the water is fine, nothing to see here, folks, keep on moving. And in fact, back then, police officers and other first responders who were working in what came to be known the pile, that mountain of rubble that contained in part the ground-up remains of human beings uh, who were slaughtered because of that terror attack. They're working on the pile, and they were told, do not wear masks. And I had a discussion with a senior member of the NYPD who said, well, we didn't want them to wear masks because if we had to get them on the radio, it was hard to understand them with the masks on. Really? Let me tell you what. You could uh, go to any movie you want to watch or talk to any doctor who does surgery. They all wear masks. You go to a dentist, they wear a mask over their face to protect against germs and so forth, protect them, protect the patient. They can be heard perfectly well. Doctors and nurses in an operating room do not take their masks off to be heard. You can speak and you can be heard through the mask. Don't believe it? Take out one of your masks right now that I'm sure you've got lying in a drawer somewhere and have a conversation with somebody. May it muffle your voice a bit? Yeah, it might. But we're talking about first responders digging through a toxic pile looking for human remains. Imagine that ungodly ask and they were told don't wear masks do you think it was because they were having a problem being heard over the two-way radio how much broadcasting are they doing as they're digging through that mess hopefully in the beginning looking for survivors which with a couple of exceptions did not materialize and then looking for human remains inhaling all those poisons and the epa said the air is great the water is fine nothing to worry about Turns out that the politicians were concerned about the impact on real estate prices, from what I've read, 
I'm not making an accusation, but that was the theory. The concern was if everyone's running around with masks on, people are going to be scared and they're not going to want to live in lower Manhattan prime real estate until 9-11. So instead of scaring off possible you know, uh, customers for real estate, they sacrificed the health and ultimately the lives of the first responders who were digging through the pile. Trust us. Nothing to see here. The air is clean. The water is just fine. We saw it with Love Canal. Uh, Aaron Brankovich did an amazing job uh, portrayed by Julia. Um, I'm having a senior moment, but you know the movie about Aaron Brankovich, right? So understand that the government's checkered past does not provide reassurance to most people that everything is fine because the EPA says it is. And now the people in Ohio are being told, trust us, the water is fine. The governor says the same thing. Oh, the water is great. Well, maybe they need to serve them a pitcher of water and see how quickly these so-called leaders are willing to drink the water. This is a catastrophe. And what does Buttigieg say? Oh, we have about 1,000 derailments every year. It's terrible, but it's nothing unusual. Nothing unusual. They spent gazillions of dollars supposedly on infrastructure with that crazy omnibus bill. What are they doing about making certain that the rail system is safe, that we don't have a 1,000 derailments per Buttigieg every year? He's missing in action when the airlines went to hell in the handbasket. He's always missing in action. This guy has a no-show job. It's kind of like what the mob does, right? No-show job. We pay you, and you can stay home. Seems to be what Buttigieg's gig was. Kamala Harris did the same thing. Uh, the president, nowhere to be found for how long after we shot down balloons, including, I think it was a $12 balloon with a multi-hundred-thousand-dollar sidewinder missile. This is literally, I, I guess you could call this the gang that couldn't shoot straight. But I'm going to talk about something else today. I'm going to go back to my favorite topic, immigration, because as I always like to make the point, immigration is not a single issue, but a singular issue because it impacts just about every challenge and threat that America and Americans face. You know, when the pollsters do their polls, they love to ask, what do you think is the most serious issue? Is it education? Is it inflation? Is it health care? Is it the environment? Is it climate change? And then somewhere in there they, they put in immigration. Guess what? Immigration profoundly impacts almost every other challenge. I'll give you an example that I've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again because it's in the news once again. California scrambling because of a severe drought. Severe drought. California is a magnet that attracts how many millions of illegal aliens to cross our border, not only going to California but New York. Indiana, by the way, now proposing to issue driver privilege cards. Not driver's license, but a driver privilege card. My God, we're going to talk about that because I'm working on an, on an editorial for uh, the newspapers out there. The folks of Indiana asked me to do it. I'm happy to do it. I've testified before the Indiana State Legislature twice about immigration bills. Because what no one seems to get is that if you keep on providing people with sanctuary from law enforcement if you're here illegally, if you provide people with the authority to drive a car even though you're here legally and we have no idea who in blazes you are, you have turned on a super powerful magnet that draws people across the border. 
you know, a long time ago, I came up with a quote that was plagiarized far and wide. I said that nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides. Look at all the rides that the illegal aliens get to go on, but somehow the federal government that could put illegal aliens up in hotel rooms for hundreds of dollars a day and allocate $4 billion, $4 billion in the omnibus spending bill for the care of the illegal aliens that they refer to as migrants. Uh, it's a deceptive term, just like undocumented worker and undocumented immigrant. So they're migrants. And as I've mentioned before, the term migrant is not accurate because you could be an American migrant worker. There's many farm workers in the United States who are migrant workers. They travel from farm to farm and state to state, all within the United States looking for work. Cesar Chavez, the founder of the United Farm Workers Union, was very much opposed, very hostile towards illegal aliens working on farms because he knew that this would cause working conditions and wages to plummet. He was dead set against it, right? Because he understood that American migrant workers would suffer if you bring in foreign workers. This is always the case. You know, when we hear that glib little phrase, well, the Democrats want illegal immigration because they want the cheap voters and the Republicans want cheap labor. It's not quite accurate. The Republicans don't just want cheap labor. Here's what they want. They want to cheapen labor, make it less valuable. How do you do that? Well, in economics, there is a term. It's called dumping. If you dump a commodity into the market with the intentions of lowering the price of the commodity, whether it's oil, diamonds, water, gold, doesn't matter, dumping is illegal. Dumping is illegal. Labor is a commodity. The more foreign work or the more workers that are available, the less valuable they are. Oh, it's easy to replace a worker. There's thousands just waiting out there to line up and get a job. So the conditions under which workers work degrades. The benefits go out the window. And the wages are suppressed as a consequence of dumping. And that's exactly what both parties are now doing dumping labor into the labor pool because it's not just the illegal aliens it's the high-tech workers also and that's the big dirty secret the republicans will stand there on the mexican border and say look at this look what the biden administration did we can't we can't have all this happening we have a short memory remember when donald trump wanted to build the border wall and the republicans controlled the house and the senate guess what happened Donald Trump could not get the Republican Party, even though he ran as a Republican president, could not get them to fund the border wall we desperately need to control the southern border. Now, again, I keep making the point the border wall was not designed to keep people out of the United States. Not at all. The border wall did not block off ports of entry, nor was it supposed to. It only blocked off the spaces between ports of entry to make it far more difficult for people and cargo entering the United States to evade the vetting process conducted at ports of entry. You go to a baseball game or a football game, you're expected not to run across the field, but to go through a gate, buy a ticket, maybe go through a metal detector, take your seat in the stands, and everybody has a great day. It's not anti-fan to expect the fans to buy a ticket and go through a gate. Ports of entry are not unlike that gate. Yet the Republicans refuse to build a border wall, right? Now they're out there screaming and thumping their chest, we've got to control the southern border. Only the southern border? 
What about the northern border? What about the fact that we have a total of 100,000 miles plus of border when you include America's coastline? What about the fact that virtually every state has international airports? Many states have multiple international airports. I believe the last statistics that I read was that there were well over 100 international airports scattered across the United States. Aliens enter through those airports. In fact, here's something very interesting for you. I went online earlier today, did a little bit of digging, and I found an article published by CBP, not an article, but a posting on their website, and it says this, on a typical day in fiscal year 2022, that's last year, EBP, that's Customs and Border Protection, processed 868,867 passengers and pedestrians. And then they break it down further. Of the 868,867, 263,000 were incoming international air passengers and crew. 58,549 passengers and crew arrived on ships or boats and 547,318 incoming land travelers. Wow. Wow. So you have 263,000 arriving every day by airplane through international airports. Is anybody talking about the process by which we admit aliens entering through international airports or through seaports? No, not at all. All we're hearing about is secure the southern border. We are ignoring how aliens can evade that process on the northern border. And I think a week ago I read an article about how Vermont has a record number of illegal aliens coming in through the northern border. Who's up at the northern border checking to see what's happening there? Nobody. Crickets. Zero. And by the way, the Canadian border is at least twice as long as the Mexican border. We know that drugs and we've had terrorists and criminals come across the Canadian border. Do you hear anybody from either party saying, we need, to, we need to secure the northern border? We need to find out who we're letting in through international ports of entry? No. It's all about the southern border. It's kabuki theater. It's, again, the con game being foisted on us by both political parties. Full disclosure, as you know, if you're familiar with me, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat, but the Democrats are anything but Democrats. There's nothing liberal about today's Democrats. I was raised to be a classic liberal. What does that mean? You celebrate the First Amendment. My parents taught me as far back as I could remember that everybody in this country, because of the First Amendment, enjoys something known as freedom of speech. What does that mean? You have the right to say anything you want as long as you weren't doing the equivalent of, of screaming fire in a crowded theater or inciting riots or, or, or you know, advocating violence against anybody. Well, we all have the right to our opinions. I don't care if it's about abortion. I don't care if it's about school school prayer. And I don't care if it's about what flavor ice cream you prefer or if you prefer ice cream at all. Freedom of speech, okay? That's what it means. And you have the Democrats canceling everybody in sight who disagrees with them. There's an interesting documentary that you should watch on cable it's about how the Nazis came to control the news media and the movie industry as a huge propaganda machine to basically brainwash the Germans into committing the atrocities that we associate with the Holocaust and the Second World War. Propaganda is super powerful. 
controlling the news is super powerful. I want you to think about something. When there's a revolution, generally, those seeking to overthrow the government, one of the first things they do is they seize control of newspapers, radio, and television stations. Why? Because they have got to get control over the means of communication so that you alter the information that people have access to. In fact, now they're talking about how uh, artificial intelligence, at least some of these uh, operations, are super to the left. You know, if you ask them anything about issues that the left doesn't like, the, the AI, the artificial intelligence, the robot, will basically say, I'm not allowed to talk to you about that, or we don't discuss that, or that's not proper. So what we are seeing is a level of censorship that is unprecedented in the history of the United States, uh, for the most part, at the hands of the Democrats, the Democrats, the radical left lunatics. No more freedom of speech. We're going to tell you what to think. We're going to tell you what to say. And if you say something we don't like, we're coming for you. This is crazy. This is crazy. And in fact, when McCarthy went down to the border, the Speaker of the House, with some Republicans, and he invited Democrats to come to field hearings. And I did a field hearing way back when in Iowa about immigration, uh, invited back then um, by, um, well, in fact, it, it was interesting because I wound up sitting next to Chuck Grassley, who invited me to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. But Jim Sensenbrenner, uh, at the time chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, committed, uh, conducted a field hearing in Indiana, in um, Iowa, rather, forgive me, and I was one of the witnesses called to that hearing. Field hearings can be very useful because you bring the hearing to the people. You know, the House of Representatives is called the People's House. So the, the People's House came to visit Americans in their houses by holding field hearings. The Democrats are now screaming bloody murder. We don't want anything to do with this. And it was remarkable. I, I forgot which member of Congress, but it was one of the leftist lunatics. The discussion was about border security. And it was supposed to be focused on the drugs. And as soon as one of the Republicans said that we have to look at the failures of the Border Patrol to secure the border, the Democrat became upset and said, we're not going to discuss immigration. We're talking about drugs. This has nothing to do with, it, with, with immigration. Really? Human smugglers, human traffickers, drug smugglers are often one and the same. The cartels control the border. They control the flow of people, and they can the flow of drugs entering the United States. It's delusional. And you had some indignant Democrats say, oh, my God, there they go. We're supposed to be talking about drugs. And what are they talking about? Immigration. This has nothing to do with immigration. People are being used. They call mules when you force an alien entering the United States illegally to carry the narcotics on their person or sometimes in their person, swallowing condoms, balloons filled with uh, heroin, cocaine, all sorts of things. In fact, I remember we did an investigation. You know, for half my career, uh, I worked on narcotics investigations. Back in 1988, I became the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. Four years later, I was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So I had desks at DEA, the FBI, ATF. I worked with city and state police. I worked with foreign governments, including Canada, Great Britain, I got an award from the government of Japan. I worked closely with the Israeli National Police and other foreign law enforcement organizations because we were concerned about people, drugs, fugitives, criminals, and terrorists crossing international borders. And we had a case out in Staten Island where Africans were coming to the United States. They swallowed balloons filled with heroin, 
And then when they got to this apartment, in an apartment house in the middle of, you know, a nondescript neighborhood, looked like any other building on any other block, when you went into that apartment, we had a search warrant, uh, they, these people were brought in, they were fed laxatives, going to sound gross, forgive me, but this whole topic is, is gross and you need to know how it works. And they had strainers so that when they went to the bathroom to relieve themselves with all of those uh, laxatives that they were force-fed, the, uh, the balloons or the condoms filled with the drugs came out and they fished them out of the toilet and processed the drugs here in the United States. There were people who died on the airplane. If one of those balloons ruptured, they would die of an overdose in flight. We had people get sick at the ports of entry. And this has been going on forever. You know, I find it remarkable. We're hearing now, oh, my God, the cartels have moved into America. Have moved. They've been here for decades. Remember, El Chapo Guzman, one of the most violent and prolific drug traffickers in Mexico, turned Queens, New York, into his hub for drug trafficking operations 20 years ago because of our sanctuary policies and a whole bunch of other issues. El Chapo Guzman was prosecuted in the Eastern District of New York, the courthouses in Brooklyn, because of what he did on Roosevelt Avenue and other areas of Queens, New York, turning New York City into his hub for drug activities. And this was decades ago. And now we're hearing, oh, my God, the cartels are here. They've been here, and the violence is outrageous, and it funds the gangs, and it funds terrorism. I've written about it. I've spoken about it before. Hezbollah. An Iranian terrorist organization is operating widely throughout Latin America, working with human traffickers and drug smugglers to push narcotics and people into the United States. And among the people are terrorist sleeper agents. And everyone is all excited. And now we're hearing this expression. One of my buddies reached out. Oh, now every state is a border state. Why? Because they're putting illegal aliens on buses and they're moving them around, and the Biden administration is putting them on airplanes and they're moving them around the country, so now every state's a border state. No, that's not the reason. I said every state is a border state shortly after 9-11 to get American people to understand that aliens are entering the United States through so many ways that I called it the immigration colander. The Mexican border is only one hole in that colander. Aliens are coming in across the Canadian border. They're coming, away, coming in as stowaways on ships. We have ships going out to sea and meeting boats and bringing people to the coastline of the United States, not a port of entry, no different from running the Mexican border. There was a boat that washed up in Queens back in the 90s called the Golden Venture that had a whole bunch of illegal aliens from China on it. And their goal was to get to the coastline of the United States and let the illegal aliens out of the boat. Just the same way you would do it on the Mexican border. But all we're hearing about is the Mexican border. No one is talking about the supposed legal process. So please understand what we are confronting. And it was remarkable that a reporter said to Kevin McCarthy, well, uh, obviously, you're against amnesty for all these illegals, aren't you, Speaker? And McCarthy, you know, looked out at the vista of the wide-open border, and he says, how in the world can we talk about amnesty when the border is like this? We can't even begin to talk about that until we secure the southern border. Southern border. So tell me, Kevin, is it okay if illegal aliens come across the Canadian border? Is it okay if 
fentanyl comes into America across the Canadian border or on board ships. If you folks remember the famous case of heroin that came from France, the French Connection, and there was a follow-up, French Connection 2, Gene Hackman started, and it was based on a true story. How was the heroin brought to the United States? If you get a chance, watch the movie. There's an incredible chase scene in Brooklyn. And if you watch carefully, a friend of mine was a cop in those days. The woman shouldn't have crossed the street with her baby in a carriage, and she did. She didn't listen to the cops, ran across the street, almost got hit by the car that had the camera because they were filming this incredible chase scene under the elevated subway line. And you, you see this brief glimpse of this woman freaking out as this car barrels at her. Amazing chase scene. If you, if you look at any car chase scenes, you know, there's car magazines. They're always featuring stories about car chases. Which is the best chase? Was it Steve McQueen and Bullet? Is it this chase or that chase? Check out the French Connection. But in the French Connection, the way that the heroin was smuggled into the United States was in the rocker panels of a car that came to America on a ship. Okay? This isn't new. All right? America is like a big sieve. All that we're told is just watch the 2,000 miles of the Mexican border while we blithely ignore the other 98,000 miles of border and we blithely ignore international airports. And by the way, the drugs come in through international airports. Drugs are being mailed into the United States. There's no shortage of ways for drugs or aliens to enter the United States. I jokingly wrote an article way back when, and I said, you know, Paul Revere had it easy when he said, you know, one if by land, two if by sea, about how the Brits were coming. Aliens can enter the United States so many ways today that if you wanted to use lanterns, you'd probably have to buy up all the lanterns at Home Depot or Lowe's or some other hardware store, and you'd probably wind up setting fire to the old North Church. There is no shortage of ways of getting here. But all that Kevin McCarthy and the news organizations willing to talk about immigration are going to talk about is what? The Mexican border. We can't begin to talk about comprehensive immigration reform until we control the Mexican border. What does one have to do with the other? Why in the world would you want to give unknown millions of illegal aliens lawful status without the capacity to interview them? Forget about a field investigation. You'll have no way of knowing who they are, when they got here, who they're affiliated with. And I want to remind you that it was only 19 hijackers who attacked America on 9-11 and literally changed the entire world. 19. And we've had millions of people flood into America thanks to Biden. But that's just the southern border. What's happening on the northern border? How many are coming in uh, to international airports who shouldn't be admitted? The 9-11 Commission warned about international airports because most of the hijackers, and not just on 9-11, but other terrorists came through international airports. Some came across land borders. Some came on boats. But mostly it was international airports. And no one's talking about that. No one's talking about how Visa applications are adjudicated. No one's talking about United States citizenship and immigration services. And so there's no shortage of ways of getting here. And I would have hoped that McCarthy would have said, why would we provide amnesty for people who shouldn't be here? And by the way, when you speculate on the possibility of a massive amnesty program, what are you doing? You're incentivizing people to come to the United States illegally, aren't you? But I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2013 at the invitation of Chuck Grassley 
I said that the policies of the then Obama administration had in essence fired the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world, and for them the finish line was the border of the United States. Because once they got past the border, they were home free. And why is that? Because there's no interior enforcement. There's never been. There's never been meaningful interior enforcement. The only time that a president understood the need for interior enforcement was Dwight Eisenhower. It was called Operation Wetback. And he said he was told that there were about a million illegal Mexicans in the United States. And he said, what the hell are they doing here? If they're here illegally, why aren't we arresting them and deporting them? So they detailed Border Patrol agents in their uniforms and in those green and white cars. And they had them go to the major cities, New York and elsewhere, in the 50s and arrest illegal aliens. It was called Operation Wetback. By the way, uh, the term wetback is not a pejorative. For those of you who don't understand how the word wetback came about, Imagine some Border Patrol agents doing what is known as line watch. They're there uh, checking the Rio Grande. and We also have land border with Mexico, but this is along the Rio Grande. And some guy running north from the Rio Grande is spotted by a Border Patrol agent. And the guy is now north of them. So they're looking at him as he's running into the interior of the United States. And what's the first thing that the Border Patrol agent notices? Well, the guy just swam the Rio Grande, so he's wearing a wet shirt. So the Border Patrol agent might say to his partner, hey, there goes one. There's a guy with a wet back. Wet back meaning he just swam the river. That gave them probable cause to suspect that the guy just entered the United States without inspection. He didn't enter undocumented. He entered without inspection in violation of Title VIII United States Code Section 1325. So you see a guy running north from the Rio Grande, and his shirt is soaking wet, you have probable cause to chase after him uh, and find out who the hell he is and, and why he's here. And suddenly, this became a terrible thing. But the word gringo, from what I've heard, it might be an old wives' tale, but when the Mexicans and the, and the U.S. soldiers clashed, the Mexicans were angry at the U.S. soldiers who wore green uniforms, and they said, green go, gringo, green go, Okay. Shorthand, people saying things, but somehow anything that gets said today that deals with immigration or certain sacred cows um, is deemed hate speech, unacceptable. It's getting to the point that you're afraid to say good morning to somebody because somebody's going to tell you that there's nothing good about the morning, perhaps. I have no idea that people are being very docile. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't care if I offend people. If you're that thin-skinned that you're offended if I tell you the truth, so be it. Get yourself a comfort puppy, all right? We've got to stand up and say we've had enough of this crap. My parents taught me to believe that the only people who could intimidate me, number one, would be the people who I permitted to intimidate me. And my dad also said to me that I would teach people how to treat me by demonstrating what I'm willing to accept. There's nothing hateful about using accurate language. Con artists use deceptive language. Read George Orwell. Read 1984 if you want a textbook. It's a quick read. Uh, It's an interesting read. I recommend it strongly. It was required reading when I went to high school, 1984. And you will see how language was used to diminish the ability of human beings to express themselves. It wasn't about expanding the vocabulary newspeak. It was about eliminating words from the vocabulary. And if you eliminate words, you can eliminate the thoughts represented by the words. Very simple. 
Word control, language control equals thought control. That's why the First Amendment is so damn critical. The Founding Fathers understood that. The First Amendment is the First Amendment because if you don't have the freedom to articulate your ideas freely, you're not free. My friends used to argue, oh, my God, they're attacking the Second Amendment. They said, stop worrying because the First Amendment is going to be on the chopping block. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? So all we're hearing is this kabuki theater. We're going to secure the southern border. We're going to ignore the Canadian border. We're going to ignore the international airports. We're going to ignore the 95,000 miles of coastline. So I, I guess, I guess our political leaders, so-called, don't care if heroin or fentanyl or meth come across on boats or the northern border or airplanes. That's okay, as long as it doesn't come across from Mexico. By the way, I want you to think about something else. And I think I mentioned it last week, but it used to be that most of the drugs from Colombia came in through Florida on speedboats. The Reagan administration put George Herbert Walker Bush in charge, and the Navy and the Coast Guard started to interdict the speedboats with the drugs. So the, the, the Colombian cartel said, you know, this isn't working out. Our boats are getting stopped, our drugs are being seized, and our prosecutors in the United States are working with Colombian prosecutors. So the cartel leaders were getting arrested in Colombia and being extradited to stand trial in America. And they said, we've got to insulate ourselves. What did they do? They shifted much of the drug trafficking operation from Florida, right, to the Mexican border. During one of my very first hearings where I testified before Congress, and I believe I've testified 16, 17 times. I don't have the exact number offhand. And I've also provided depositions that became part of the congressional record for additional hearings. But at one of my very first hearings, I, I made the point that immigration is kind of like a balloon. I, I really hate to say balloon because everyone's eyes go up today. Literally, they go up to the sky looking for balloons that maybe we're going to shoot down. Boy, oh boy, talk about a turkey shooter, the gang that couldn't shoot straight. But I, I made the point that the immigration system is very much like a balloon. And what's interesting about a balloon is that if you squeeze one end, the balloon is going to bulge someplace else. So when we squeeze the end of the balloon called Florida, it bulged on the Mexican border. If we made the Mexican border airtight, do you think that illegal aliens and drugs would stop flowing into the United States? That's preposterous. They'll just come a different way. And I've used the analogy in the past when you got into your car before GPS, but even now with GPS, you turn on the radio, and what do we listen to? The traffic report. Why? Because if one roadway is jammed with an accident or construction or whatever, we figure out an alternate route to get around the, the, the blockage in the road. And we know that the cartels are doing the same thing. So here's another brilliant story. With the $4 billion that have been allocated in the omnibus spending bill to deal with the southern border, not to secure it, but to provide for the care and housing of the, quote, migrants, I call these people by a different name. I call them clients. They're clients for immigration law firms, and they are clients for these so-called nonprofits. Boy, there's an Orwellian term. These NGOs are non-government organizations. $4 billion to provide housing, shelter, health care. God only knows what. Right? So think about that beauty. And so what I refer to them as is simply um, clients. 
because the law firms are making out like bandits. The NGOs are making out like bandits. I've written about this. In fact, in one case, an NGO that had never done immigration work before got a contract for over $100 million by the Biden administration shortly after an official who worked for Biden on the transition team left and went to work for that particular NGO at a, at a high-ranking level. And within a couple of months, they got this contract, and they were paid $17 million for beds that were never even used. This is a profit-driven operation. Okay, it has nothing to do with national security, public safety, or the best interests of America or Americans. It's incredible. They've monetized the whole damn thing. So you have all this money. Can't use it for enforcement. So there are heliostats. These are big balloons that the Border Patrol was using, I guess assisted by the military, to make sure that they could spot where the smugglers were bringing in the drugs and the people. Well, the Biden administration said they have run out of money, so they're going to ground those balloons. Wow. Wow. So at a time of record levels of immigration and record levels of drugs flowing into America and record levels of people dying from overdoses of drugs, we are taking down the balloons that were being used by the Border Patrol to keep track of the smugglers. By the way... The cartels are flying their own drones, and some of them have been recovered by the Border Patrol because their drones are flying in our airspace. So you have Mexican drones flying in American airspace along the border, and the Biden administration reportedly taking down the heliostats that we were using to monitor the smugglers. If this isn't complicit, what is? It is clear that the smugglers are seen as a free enterprise, according to the Biden administration. And some of the smugglers are using teenage kids to drive the illegal aliens, often at high speed on on highways along the southern border. And in some cases, there have been terrible car wrecks, people badly injured, people being killed, children being used as criminals. And you think that when they grow up, these are going to be the next class of neurosurgeons and nuclear physicists? We're creating a criminal class among teenagers in furtherance of human trafficking, drug smuggling, and the movement of terrorists into the United States. And yet most news organizations don't want to talk about it. I'd love to know why the Republicans are only concerned about the southern border and not the other means by which people, drugs, and other contraband enters the United States. I'd love to know why the Republicans aren't running public service announcements on the radio and television warning people about fentanyl. How fentanyl is being used as a uh, supplement, if you will, with other drugs that people think are normal drugs. You know, you think you're taking something, but you're not because it's laced with fentanyl, which provides a lethal dose. This would be a perfect opportunity for the Republicans to show that they're on the side of the American people and say, hey, maybe the Democrats don't care if these poisons come across the border, but we do. Cigarette commercials were super effective at getting people to stop smoking. You know, when I was a kid, I used to sweep up the street in front of my house, and I'm still living in the same house. This is the house my parents bought when I was a kid. And so that my dad wouldn't have to come home from a hard day as a construction worker and then have to deal with cleaning up the mess of cigarette butts everywhere. I'd go out there with a broom. 
I'd sweep it all up, put it in the garbage can, hose down the sidewalk so the house looked squeaky clean when he pulled into the driveway. It made me happy if he was happy. Tragically, I lost my parents back when I was in college, but I learned so much from them. Parents are so important to children. And it's that relationship that's under attack by the lunatic left as well. They're trying to destroy the family. They're trying to destroy America. It should be pretty clear. This whole thing about fluid sex, really? The only fluid sex I know about is people going to the beach and necking or something. Fluid sex. No, you, you can be one of 15 different sexes and on and on and on while they tell you to follow the science. Sex is binary, male, female. It's a very simple thing. Right? You have a Supreme Court justice who couldn't tell you what a woman is. So they tell us to follow the science. Follow the science. Okay. According to science, this defines a male. This divides, you know, determines female. Nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Can't say that anymore. But follow the science. The contradictions are off the charts, and how many people don't even see it? Talk about a lack of critical thinking. I'm convinced that half of our fellow Americans can no longer fog a mirror. They're unconscious or brain dead. I mean, this is insanity. But where are the Republicans? A golden opportunity to stand with Americans, put those public service announcements up on TV to warn people the way we did with the cigarettes. Because I started to point out, I used to have to sweep all the cigarettes. It doesn't happen now. It doesn't happen. If I find one or two cigarette butts on my sidewalk in an entire week, it's kind of unusual. When I was a kid, there'd be dozens of cigarette butts every day that I had to clean up because people walking by would just throw their cigarettes into the, onto the sidewalk, into the street, and so forth. So the commercials work. We know they work. I'll tell you why I believe you're not seeing the commercials. Because the drug money, the proceeds of the drug sales, is laundered through Wall Street banking, real estate, high-end auto sales, high-end jewelry sales. Everyone's making money off of the death and suffering of people who are being killed by the drugs, families that are being destroyed by the drugs, lives that are being turned to garbage by the drugs. We have mass shootings. Again, I'm going to make the point. Whenever there's a shooting, I would love to know what the toxicology report looks like. If somebody has a serious car crash and people are injured or killed, the first thing you hear was, well, the driver that hit the school bus uh, had a blood alcohol level of 2.0 and 0.8 is is the legal limit. 0.08 is the legal limit. This guy was two times, three times over the legal limit. Why aren't we hearing that about mass shootings? The guy pulled out a gun, opened fire, killed five people. We should know whether or not he was operating under the influence of drugs, don't you think? If we know when someone is operating a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol, why don't we know when someone is involved in a shooting involving alcohol or or narcotics, perhaps? The people would understand that more people die because of drugs who don't take the drugs but fall victim to people who've lost their minds because of drugs. And I can tell you that when people are habitual drug users over time, they diminish their their faculties. There's long-term damage done. And it's remarkable because when Colorado legalized pot, there was a, a real big jump in car crashes, injuries, and fatalities. And other states said, boy, this isn't good. But it didn't last long. Now everyone's all in. Yes, let's legalize the drugs because we can tax them. You can tax them. So what if there's carnage on the highway? It's the cost of doing business. Hey, and let's face it, folks, the funeral homes could use the business. 
the body shops that fix the cars can use the business, and God only knows the lawyers need the business, right? This is insanity. A government is supposed to look out for the well-being of its own citizens, and my question is very simple. Is our government looking out for the well-being of our citizens today, either party? I was watching uh, Brett Hume the other day on television, and I, I, I really had a conniption. Because he was bemoaning all this illegal immigration, and the polls are showing that Americans are angry. And Brett looks into the camera, and what does he say? Wow, with all this anger and hostility towards illegal immigration, the concern has to be that Americans are going to be opposed to bringing in the thousands upon thousands of high-tech workers that America needs so that American companies can do well. Wow. Wow. How many Americans have been fired because of the economy going into the tank because of inflation and the interest rates and so forth? Lots. Now, you would think that the first concern we should have is if the economy is in the tank, uh, that Americans should be getting the jobs and not the aliens. Because one of the things that the immigration law says, and that's what the politicians want to change, and they say they need to modernize the immigration laws, under Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, there's a clause that basically says that foreign workers can only be employed in the United States when there are no Americans ready, willing, and able to do the work in that basic geographic location. And they want to do away with it. What they want to do is make it so that an employer can get rid of all the American workers and hire only foreign workers who will work for a third the wage. That's why I make the point that when I hear this nonsense that the Republicans are looking for cheap labor, no, they're looking to cheapen labor so their profits go up. And the Democrats want to destroy the middle class because then Americans will be dependent on government for luxuries, you know, like turning on the lights when you come home from your second job, Right. Think about that. So maybe you can have French fries with your hamburger. Well, how's that happen? Well, you need food stamps. You need housing subsidies. And the party of the handout is the Democrats. So the Democrats are seeking iron-fisted, one-party control over the United States through the destruction of the middle class, and the greedy Republicans are going with the program because they can't see past tomorrow's earnings statement. Deepen labor, increase profits, except for one problem. And I made this point when I spoke in Alabama a number of years ago, most companies depend on middle-class consumers who buy the stuff they manufacture or the services they offer. Kill off the middle class, you're destroying your consumer base. But that kind of thinking requires logic and so forth, and people that are blinded by greed very often are incapable of looking past tomorrow. And that's where we are. And now Indiana is looking to provide driver's licenses. And, and this is so incredible because these licenses, as they call them, they're not really licenses, they, they call them um, driver um, privilege cards. Think about that. And so here is the, the digest, the, the summary of the bill. Let me just read this to you. Driving privilege cards provides that an individual who is an Indiana resident and cannot provide proof of identity and lawful status in the United States, may apply for a driver privilege card to obtain driving privileges. Really? So number one, how do you know that the guy is really a resident of Indiana if you can't prove who he is? Why would you give someone a driver's license if they're here illegally? 
if you look throughout the world, motor vehicles have become the weapon of choice for terrorists. They use vehicles to mow people down. They use motor vehicles to deliver weapons, bombs, for example. We have all these bomb barriers, all these big concrete devices, cars away and trucks away from sensitive buildings and grates that pop out of the sidewalk to shred tires if cars proceed when they're told not to proceed to protect against car bombs. But they have no problem putting people behind the wheel of vehicles without knowing who the hell they are. Wow, it's breathtaking. And in my commentary that I'm putting together, I made the point that when my dad, uh, may rest in peace, first handed me the keys to the family car, he admonished me by saying, hey, Mike, never forget that a motor vehicle can be more lethal than a gun. Be careful. It's a weapon. If you don't pay attention, if you drive recklessly, you can turn that conveyance into a weapon. And he was right. So my question to anybody who would give illegal aliens a driver's license call it what they will, would they be just as willing to provide uh, people who can't prove who they are with a carry permit for a firearm? Interesting question. Again, how is this in the best interest of America or Americans? And the answer is obvious. It's not. It's absolutely not. But yet we see this all the time, and it gets really, really old, doesn't it? And by the way, when you look at the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993, you had an illegal alien rent the truck and another illegal alien drive the truck and park it in the garage of the World Trade Center. They set off the bomb, for those of you that hopefully remember. Five people died. Over 1,000 were injured. They almost brought the towers down sideways. Their goal was to kill hundreds of thousands. As it was, they injured 1,000 and created a half billion in damages, with a B, half billion. My goodness. A month early, you had the shooting at the CIA, a Pakistani by the name of Kansi bought into a courier van service. That van had a permit that allowed him to drive into and park the van in the parking lot of the CIA in Virginia. And in January 93, Kansi jumped out, with, not with packages, but an AK-47, opened fire, killed several CIA officials, wounded others, and fled the country. Motor vehicles again and again. There's a guy that's uh, being sentenced now in, in uh, New York for mowing down eight people on the West Side Highway in, two, I believe it was 2017, using a rental truck as a, uh, as a, a weapon of mass destruction. But we're going to give people driver's licenses or driver-privileged cards, again, playing semantics, for what benefit? For what benefit? Where is the benefit to the average American or where is the benefit to our country when you have people who shouldn't be here getting yet another incentive to come here in violation of our laws, and the 9-11 Commission was crystal clear that the only reason 9-11 happened and other attacks like it were because of multiple failures of the immigration system. You would think we'd be all in. Sheila Jackson Lee, by the way, I testified for her twice shortly after 9-11. For those of you that may remember this, two dead terrorists, the ringleader, Mohammed Atta, and another one, Marwan El-Shehi, they were in the cockpits of the two airliners that slammed into the towers of the Trade Center, got permission to go to flight school six months after 9-11. So by then, the whole world knew they were dead, knew they were terrorists. But immigration being the incredible agency that it was, I used to call it the Imitation and Neutralization Service out of frustration, gave them authorization to go to flight school. The owner of the flight school, a German citizen, contacted his member of Congress, and I got a phone call from Sheila Jackson Lee's counsel. She was the ranking member of the Immigration Subcommittee in the House at the time. 
and they said to me, you're not going to believe this, but, and as a consequence, America needs you to come to Washington to help us sort this through, and I testified at the hearing. It's part of the permanent record on C-SPAN. And then I did another hearing for Sheila about how immigration fraud facilitated the smuggling of aliens into the United States. These are all immigration issues. And Sheila Jackson was right there with me. It was a pleasure to work with her. In fact, I remember a hearing that was held where I testified because they gave Bush enough money to hire 800 new ICE agents that he cut that number to 143. They gave him enough money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents that year and the next four years. He cut that number to 210. They gave him enough money to buy 8,000 detention beds that he cut that number to under 2,000. And Sheila Jackson Lee excoriated Bush and said, what are you doing? We need immigration laws enforced to protect America. Those immigration agents are a vital part of national security. What happened to Sheila? What happened to all of her colleagues in the Democrat Party that now see immigration as something that's to be avoided at all costs unless it's to provide benefits to people who have no right to be here and whose identities can't be verified? We're living in a very dangerous era. Several of our soldiers were just wounded in Syria, taking out an ISIS leader, along with one of our service dogs was wounded. They, they wrote about this uh, incident and said that the dog and, and the four servicemen are being treated at American hospitals, uh, but they, they got the ISIS leader. And they're saying that there are record numbers of members of ISIS operating in that region now, uh, probably because of how we got out of Afghanistan. That's a stupid big disaster. So the war on terror is not over. And I would love to see every member of Congress ask Mayorkas and ask everybody in the administration if they read the 9-11 Commission report and if they read the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel that lays it out in, with crystal clarity the nexus between immigration failures and the threat of terrorism, the ability of terrorists to embed themselves, hide in plain sight as they go about deadly preparations. And immigration fraud is a key issue, but that requires interior enforcement. And you had Nikki Haley saying that we've got to secure the border and make E-Verify mandatory. I agree. But here's the thing about that. If you don't have agents to make certain that people aren't gaming E-Verify by filling out the paperwork for, let's say, 50 employees uh, while hiring 500 people off the books, you don't know that until you go to that location and see who's working there and conduct an investigation. E-Verify works fine. Uh, if you're here legally, but when aliens acquire lawful status by committing fraud, something the 9-11 Commission spent quite a bit of time on. And, in fact, the first time I testified before Congress was four and a half years before 9-11, and the issue was immigration fraud and visa fraud. So if someone can get a green card through a bogus marriage or a fake job or some other subterfuge, that green card gets them through E-Verify. So E-Verify doesn't stop them either. And that's why we need to have meaningful interior enforcement, not just to arrest illegal aliens, which is vital enough, but to conduct investigations into fraud, conduct investigations into crooked employers, to conduct investigations into human trafficking organizations. I did all those things. You, you arrest illegal aliens, they tell you who brought them here, you give them the opportunity to remain in the United States if they become a cooperating witness. They win and we win and we put these people out of business. But without the agents, we're flying blind in a storm. And that seems to be the goal of our government. 
because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce does not see America's borders as its first and last line of defense, but as I was told, uh, they see it as an impediment to their wealth, an impediment to their wealth as we undermine national security and public safety and, of course, the jobs and wages of hardworking Americans. Enough is enough. Interior enforcement is the issue here. And what I'd love for you to do is reach out to your elected representative, ask them about interior enforcement, ask them if they read the 9-11 Commission report, and explain to them that border security is not a bargaining chip for a massive amnesty program that in the end could give tens of millions of illegal aliens lawful status and a path to citizenship without the capacity to do an in-person interview, let alone a field investigation. So we won't know who they are. We won't know how long they've been living here. We won't know anything about them, but we're willing to give them identity documents without, able, without being able to actually verify their identities. This violates the 9-11 Commission findings. By the way, it also violates common sense. It undermines an immigration system that was designed not to perpetrate racism, which is the garbage we're hearing from the lunatic left and the globalists on the right, but our immigration laws, and if you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, makes it abundantly clear. This is about protecting public safety, public health, national security, and the jobs and wages of Americans. If you're concerned about the environment, every person here requires 100 gallons of water per day. There's a drought in California. It's been said that Biden has allowed 5 million aliens into the country. That means every single day, 500 million gallons of water are being consumed by people who shouldn't be here. Every day, people who shouldn't be here are flipping on light switches and putting a strain on the power grid. It's been estimated that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. So not only are we flooding the schools with more students than we can deal with, but these are students that are going to need special services that then detract from Americans who might need special services. Things like early intervention for children with autism and ADD. Uh, I mean, what are we doing? Why is it that compassion never seems to apply to Americans? And the people suffering the most are Americans of color, Americans living in poverty. They're the ones who are most vulnerable, and they're the ones who are suffering the greatest. And by the way, when you allow criminal aliens into the United States, what no one wants to make note of is a very simple fact, that the most likely victims of transnational criminals are the members of the ethnic immigrant communities, because that's where these thugs live and operate, and it's not just from Latin America. Human nature is universal. We all bleed red when we are cut, and every ethnicity, every race, every religion has the good, the bad, and the ugly. So think about the people who spend all this time and effort to come legally because they want to get away from the violence and crime of their home countries. They wake up one morning and to their horror discover that the same thugs who scared the hell out of them back in their home country are now living next door to them right here in this country because our government, both parties responsible, refuse to secure immigration, our national borders, and effectively but fairly enforce our immigration laws that have absolutely nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity, but everything to do with our well-being and survival. That's why I always make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please have conversations with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family. Honest, quiet conversations. We can turn this around, but we've got to make it clear to the politicians that we're not the idiots that they've been playing us for for far too long. Remember my dad's advice. We need to teach the politicians how they should treat us. 
And we certainly can do that if we make the effort. See you next week right here on the Michael Cup.